Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. Hey guys, I'm Bud Elliott, and welcome back into another edition of the Cover 3 College Football Summer School Series. Today we're going to talk a little Penn State Nittany Lions, and for that I'm going to go to Lions 24-7, and Daniel Gallant, Lions 24-7 expert. Daniel, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Bud. I'm excited to be here and to talk some Penn State today. No doubt. We're ripping through these at a nice pace. Really appreciate everybody giving us that like and thumbs up. Of course, on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and on Apple Pods, leave us that nice five-star review if you'd be so kind. Uh, so last year, Penn State, uh, an interesting contrast between what the power ratings thought of them, and I think most power ratings still had them as a, a top 25 level team, uh, versus what the actual on-field uh, record was. And obviously a lot of that's explainable, I think, by the injury to Sean Clifford and the the, the games that they lost there. And then James Franklin ends up getting a, a massive contract extension and we'll get into the nitty-gritty here in just a second of the, the roster and what they bring back and your expectations but just from a fan base perspective what's kind of the feeling on, on James getting that big extension yeah I think that there's a lot of kind of mixed feelings about that with with how the season ended uh, when James Franklin got the contract extension he made it clear in a statement that those conversations started uh, in mid-September uh, and at that point, I think Penn State was coming off of its win over Auburn. They were 3-0. and They're kind of on that ascension that saw them get up to number four uh, going into that game against Iowa. Um, obviously, uh, after that, things kind of went downhill. But it seemed like that those conversations, that there was already some momentum there. And I think that there's some confusion in the fan base with kind of the timing right before Thanksgiving. Um, they were, uh, I think they were. 500 team almost going into that final game uh, against Michigan State and this kind of I think a lot of mixed feelings about you know why did this have to happen now why couldn't there be uh, a little bit more time waiting and I think that the the way that the season ended I think left uh, kind of a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths for sure Uh, obviously the reasons Penn State would do it is that he's killing it in recruiting and is a pretty proven coach even if he hasn't totally got Penn State over the the top I mean it from, from an AD perspective, are you really going to do better than James Franklin? It's possible, but is it is it likely if you made a coaching change, if you actually let him walk? It feels like that would be – if I'm the AD, I'm not making that gamble. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's kind of always the the question that, that you have to ask yourself is, all right, can we do better? What's the next step up? Um, and given what James Franklin has done during his eight years, given where the program was when he got here, where it is now, what's happened in between, and kind of – the trajectory given some of the recruiting classes that have come in, I think the program is in a good spot. 
obviously that's kind of all stuff that that is on paper now and the the product that's been on the field and what has happened on the field i think has still left a little bit to be desired but the the bones i think of the program are are there and are something that that a coach like james franklin can really work with speaking here with daniel gallon also the lions 247 podcast uh, daniel i want to start here with the offense i uh, did lose a couple guys to the nfl but our offensive line catches my eye in reviewing last year and I'll spin it forward, but they they stayed pretty damn healthy last year. I, I think you had the same starters for almost every game, and yet like they were not very effective according to the numbers. Does the eye test, as somebody who watches all the games, match up with that? And if so, why, why do you think that is? Is it talent or coaching, or, or how did the line that stayed so healthy play subpar? Yeah, I think given the eye test, Penn State really struggled. And I think it matches up with, with some of the, those metrics that indicate that. If you watch that Michigan game uh, from last November, David Ajabo and, and Aiden Hutchinson just, they, you know, they they had a home uh, in the backfield. Uh, they got to know Sean Clifford very well over the course of that afternoon. Um, and you could see kind of Clifford get really get affected as that game went on. So the offensive line is, has been kind of the one of the bigger uh, kind of storylines this offseason, what's going to happen there, um, how is the development going along. You know, it was a healthy group last year, and it was an experienced group. Um, you had guys like Rasheed Walker at left tackle. Um, Eric Wilson, the left guard, had played a bunch of football at Harvard before transferring in. Uh, Mike Miranda was another player who came in with a lot of experience from his career at Penn State. And those are three guys that, that have moved on. Uh, Walker obviously was a seventh round pick of the Packers in the draft, and that leaves a pretty big hole at left tackle. But there's a lot of exciting younger guys that are going to have the opportunity to step in. And that's something that I'm really interested to see. Landon Tangwall was the highest rated recruit that Penn State signed in, in the class of 2021. He's in position to start at left guard. Uh, Olu Fashionu uh, is a really just large human uh, who can move really, really well. Uh, and he's poised to step in at, at left tackle for Rashid Walker. He looked really good against Arkansas in the bowl game. So I think that the talent level, I think the talent floor might be raised a little bit along the offensive line. Um, the mistakes might be a little bit different, given that you're kind of taking that step back in experience. But I think that if Coach Phil Troutwain can really kind of keep things going and kind of, you know, he, I think he's going into his third year now. This is kind of where he can put his stamp on the things. He's had these younger players and had the opportunity to mold them. I think we'll learn a lot about this offensive line this fall. He was fairly highly thought of at Boston College, I believe, right, under Adazio. So uh, be interesting to see there, certainly. Passing game was really Penn State's only source of explosive plays last year when, when, when they did come. Jahan Dotson, obviously a big part of that, is now – off to the NFL, but even with Dotson and an experienced QB like Clifford when he was healthy, they they kind of struggled to play pitch and catch and and to, you know stay ahead of the chains with the pass game. How do you see this shaking out? I know they, they took a transfer who you know we at twenty four seven Sports uh, seem to like quite a bit. What is this Clifford's job? What, what what are you seeing with the receiver room? Just kind of your passing game thoughts, if you would. Yeah, I mean Clifford will be the starter uh, September first against Purdue. He's a 60-year guy. This is going to be his fourth year as a starter. I think we've kind of seen the the range um, of outcomes with him as a quarterback, and it's there's a pretty wide variance there. Um, and I think that one of the the big things that Penn State will want to see from him this year is kind of raising that floor. Um, we saw last year, especially in, in some of those losses to to Illinois, 
Um, I think the the Michigan game was another example where it was just kind of it, it wasn't there. Uh, there wasn't a lot of continuity, um, and and Clifford struggled. So I think that if they can eliminate those um, those types of performances, I think that Penn State should be uh, in a bigger in a better situation. But the path, the wide receiver room is is really really interesting. Um, losing Jahan Dotson, obviously, the way that last season went. Every, every defensive coordinator knew he was going to get the ball. They knew he was going to be the focal point of the, of the offense, and they still couldn't stop him. Um, he did a lot of amazing things last year. But Parker Washington, uh, the junior from Texas, uh, I think he had 64 catches for 820 yards last year. Um, he showcased some kind of uh, Dotson-esque qualities with being able to, to make some tough catches. Um, and I think that he's in position to take a very big leap. And obviously you can't just replace a player like Jahan Dotson. You can't go one for one, but I think the pieces are there. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith uh, is going to be another third year player. He's kind of steadily moved along in his, in his progression. He played a lot as a freshman in 2020. Uh, His numbers took a jump last year as a sophomore in 2021. And he's kind of shown that he can be a big play threat down the field. He can stretch the field a little bit uh, and open things up underneath uh, for a guy like Parker Washington. Uh, the transfer that you mentioned, Mitchell Tinsley from Western Kentucky, uh, I think 87 catches, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, wasn't even the leading receiver in that offense last year. Uh, he's someone that we've heard a lot of good things about. Obviously, he's a fifth-year senior. He comes in. He kind of knows how things work. He's physically developed. Uh, and I think that I think he's, he's Sean Clifford, one of Sean Clifford's roommates. Uh, so you've got a little bit of off-field chemistry there as well. Uh, that that Penn State can rely on. So there's a host of other younger players, uh, Malik Mega, Harrison Wallace the third, Liam Clifford, Caden Saunders was an early enrollee freshman. Um, you know, there's going to be options there. Uh, there's also a strong tight end room that we could see maybe be a little bit more involved. Um, so I think the passing game, you look at the skill talent and it's all really interesting, really intriguing. But the big question is, can Sean Clifford get them the ball uh, on a routine basis and can he make those easy plays keep them ahead of the chains and keep that offense moving penn state did sign drew aller uh who just physically is pretty pretty freaky uh as a qb you know big time arm am i to assume he's probably a year away from contending for a starting job yeah from from what we've heard uh sean clifford it it's his job i mean he's a 60-year guy um, it is going to be interesting to see how that number two battle shakes out behind John Clifford, because as we saw last year, the way that he plays, he takes a lot of hits. There's a chance that he could be injured. And last year at Iowa, Taquan Roberson just wasn't ready. Um, and that kind of, I think, defined the second half of the season. Uh, Clifford came out in that Illinois game two weeks later. He had the bye week, but he still didn't look right. Uh, and Penn State didn't go to Roberson. They didn't go to Christian Bayou, who was a... a a true freshman last year. Um, so I think the number two battle uh, with Veyu, Drew Aller, and Bo Perula, uh, who is a three-star uh, kid from Pennsylvania, um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out. Uh, Aller's development will be interesting. Uh, I saw him at a camp last weekend, and he's just a big kid. Um, so you see him walking around, I think, you know, 6'6", 225, or 6'5", in there. Um, great arm, but there Looks was... like Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, physically, yeah. like, like he's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, uh, there there was some interesting things that, that the the strength coach said, uh, I think, back in March, is that Drew Aller has never really been in a, a strength program before, so that there is some kind of development that was happening behind the scenes that, that he was getting used to, and that was part of the adjustment to the college game. 
obviously it helps when you enroll early uh, and you have January to January, February, March to do that. And you're not trying to do that at the same time as learning the playbook and practicing in August. So I think Aller's development will be kind of one of those storylines that is just kind of floating in the background um, over the course, over the course of the season. But I liked what I saw from Christian Bayou as the number two uh, against Rutgers last year when in a weird kind of game where Penn State was missing a bunch of guys because of the flu. Um, and he came in and gave the offense a little bit of a jolt. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of a it's it's an interesting dynamic because you have the sixth year quarterback and then you have three guys with freshman eligibility uh, vying to back him up. That, that was a weird. Guy. I remember thinking like Penn State's not going to lose this because I don't think records will score any points if they played like 80 quarters, much less four. But yeah. Uh, that, that was a, a an interesting watch. So if Clifford stays healthy here, this offense has got to be better than 70th last year, which was their opponent adjusted rating. I, I mean, best case scenario, is this a top 20 offense, top 10, top 30? What, what are we dancing around? I would say top 30 uh, to, okay. to be conservative right now. Um, I think that there is some interesting talent that has come in. Uh, Nick Singleton is a five-star running back. Uh, Katron Allen is a four-star running back from IMG. Uh, you have Kevon Lee, who's led the team in rushing for the past two years coming back. Um, it, the running game just needs to be better. Um, I think that if that can just become average, I think it was 3.2 yards per carry last year, just no 100-yard rushers, just kind of uh, nothing really got going on the ground. Um, I think if the if the rushing running game can be average, I think the floor of the offense can kind of be in that you know, upper third um, nationally uh, because Sean Clifford is, he's a solid quarterback um, despite kind of what we saw last year. I, I think he's fine. Um, but if he has a running game uh, that he can rely on, that'll make things that much easier for him. And I think that can make the offense that much better. Absolutely. Switching here to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, this, this is why Penn state made a bowl game last year. The offense would screw around for long stretches of time, especially when Clifford was out or, you know, when he was coming back, maybe not fully healthy. Uh, you had a top 10 level defense in, in Happy Valley. Now Brent Pry's gone. I think they lost what five draft picks or six off, off this defense. If I if I looked at the uh, the draft records right, we'll start with Pry. What what is the you know the impact of, of his loss and and how do you think the transition will go? Yeah, it's a it's a big loss for continuity. Uh, he'd been with James Franklin since they were at Vanderbilt, so that's eleven years together. Obviously, there are some some interesting defensive coordinator setups and in terms of co-DCs and uh, kind of different, I guess, cooks in the kitchen when it came to the defense. But the last couple of years, it was Brent Pry's defense, and it's really hard to argue with the results. Uh, even in that Illinois game, when Illinois was running all over them, uh, they still held them to, to 10 points in regulation. Uh, it's a it was a very good defense last year. And kind of like like you said, it's the reason they made the bowl game. It's the reason they were in all of these games uh, down to the wire. Uh, they never really got blown out last year uh, until the bowl game, which was when half the defense had opted out. Um, so I think that losing Brent Pry is pretty big, but I'm really I'm really kind of excited to see what Manny Diaz can do uh, He's a new defensive coordinator. Obviously, the former Miami coach comes in. Um, and he runs a similar s scheme in terms of the four, three, but I think that there will be a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more opportunity, uh, for some of these linebackers like Curtis Jacobs, um, some of these safeties like Jair Brown to kind of do something, do things a little bit differently, um, and kind of have, I think a little bit more freedom, uh, back there to make plays. 
For sure. I, I, I'm fascinated to see how this goes. I, I, I think Manny Diaz is actually a pretty good coach. Um, but like stylistically, even though they both run 4-3, as you mentioned, there are differences. And one of those main differences, I mean, so Brent Pry's defenses were probably like the nation's best over the last couple of years at explosive play suppression. You know, they just absolutely made you drive. They very rarely allowed the ball over the top and they didn't make mistakes. Manny Diaz's defenses take a lot more chances and like his splits are, are pretty big. They want to get off the field on third down. They'll trade that for some explosive plays allowed. Uh, defensive line wise, I, I just feel like Penn State does such a good job with defensive line development that I, I know they're losing a second and a seventh rounder. And I'm a little bit scared that Zariah Fisher is gone gone for the year, right? After the spring injury. Correct. Am I wrong to feel like this group may not have a huge drop-off? Yeah, so there, there's kind of some internal additions, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, Adisa Isaac missed all of last year uh, with, with an off-season injury. Uh, Hakeem Beeman was, quote, unavailable, to use James Franklin's terms last year, but he practiced, uh, and I think he was a scout team player of the week a couple times, and uh, his, his teammates had a lot of really good things to say about the work that he did last year. So you get Isaac and Beeman back. Those are two fourth year players. So there's a lot of experience there. Uh, last night, uh, Tuesday night, Penn State officially announced the addition of Damian Chop Robinson, the Maryland transfer, who was a five star recruit uh, in the 24 seven sports rankings and in, in the class of 2021. So that's someone who, who can boost the pass rush. So I think that there there is some help coming. Uh, getting P.J. Mustafer back for the fifth year uh, at defensive tackle. Obviously, he's coming off uh, a pretty serious injury that sidelined him for last year. So we're not quite sure where where he'll be physically when the season starts. I think they expect to have him have him. But I think Penn State did kind of well with in terms of retention, uh, getting guys who are already in the program back. And I think that when you look at losing Arnold Ebiketti, losing Jesse Lucetta, I think that on paper, it's whoa, that's a lot. And especially losing Ebiketti. I mean, he was really the only consistent pass rusher they had. He was the reason for most of their production uh, off the edge. But I think that it'll be interesting to see how these guys come along. But I, I kind of like where the defensive line group is right now. I think that you need these younger players to take a step forward, but they have the opportunity and I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. I mean, th- this is why I love doing these series because, you know, Penn State, lost their top three guys in the defensive line according to snap count and they lose you know Zariah Fisher in the spring and yet our 20 you know Penn State experts are like hey that's actually a spot they got depth so this is, this is why we have you on right <laughs> uh linebacker wise you do lose Brandon Smith who was it like a total physical freak and I don't know if he always played to that but certainly had a nice uh nice final year and Ellis Brooks who was fairly productive uh, is this group okay I mean Curtis Jacobs has played a lot. Yeah, it. this is one where the, the competition and I think what we see uh, week one against Purdue, things might look a little bit differently as the season goes on uh, because there's a couple freshmen who are enrolling this summer who Manny Diaz has kind of said, yeah, if they can play, we're going to use them, uh, that, that he's not really necessarily expecting to redshirt them. Um, but when you look across the across linebacker group, uh, you have Curtis Jacobs. He's moving inside to to what Penn State calls the will position. Uh, he'll be a box linebacker this year after he played the what they called the Sam position last year, which at times he was basically like a third safety or 
almost a, a nickel corner. He'd be, he'd be out in coverage sometimes on wide receivers uh, when Penn State kept three linebackers on the field. So I think Curtis Jacobs is someone who we're going to see a lot of this year and hear a lot about. Uh, he's going to be in position to make a lot of plays. And I think given his pedigree and kind of what we've seen from him, he can make those plays. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see what he can do. There's competition in the middle between Tyler Elsden, a third-year player, and Kobe King, a second-year player. Uh, I think that that competition will stretch kind of into the, you know, into fall camp. Uh, there hasn't really been an indication on, you know, who has the edge or, or who's leading that. Uh, and then at the third linebacker spot, Jonathan Sutherland moves down from safety. He's a sixth year player and they expect him to play that where Curtis Jacobs was last year, that sort of Sam linebacker to be in space, uh, you know, to maybe kind of be a third safety almost uh, in, in certain situations. So, Abdul Carter is a four-star from Philadelphia. Keon Wiley is a three-star from Philadelphia. Um, I think that Penn State is kind of looking, is going to look to see how they can get those guys up to speed uh, and, and in a position to contribute early. Um, but I think they got, you know, they did really well last year where there wasn't a lot of depth and they stayed healthy. Uh, so they weren't really tested there. And I think that that'll kind of be another key at linebacker this year is just kind of staying healthy and um, keeping these guys on the field as much as possible. No doubt. Uh, so secondary, you lose a second rounder and a sixth rounder. And yet Penn State, and again, how much this was Brent Pry, how much of this was just great player development and you know quality recruiting. But I see a lot of names on here I like. I mean, Joey Porter Jr., Sutherland's back, you know, Hardy's back. He's played a lot of snaps. Jay Brown, I think, returned as well. Like he, mm -hmm. he this the secondary shouldn't take a step back despite losing two draft picks, I, I would guess. Yeah, I think that they're I think they're in good shape uh, getting Jair Brown back for for a third year. Uh, he played his first years at Juco um, and he was Jaquan Brisker's uh, Juco teammate uh, at Lackawanna. So he kind of was able to play with Brisker, learn a lot from him. And I think Jair Brown is someone who is in position to take a really big step forward. And he'll he's someone who's going to boost his draft stock a lot this year. I think he was sneaking on to some rankings late last season. He tied for the national lead in interceptions, um, and, and he's just kind of shown a lot. And I think he's he's poised for a pretty big year. But Joey Porter Jr. comes back. That's big for them. Daquan Hardy is one of the more underrated players on the defense at nickel. Um, he's 5'9 on the smaller side, but he, he wasn't afraid to mix it up uh, when it came to blitzing the quarterback or run defense. Um but Penn State does have to replace two starters, like you said, two draft picks. And I'm, I'm interested to see how those battles shake out. Kalen King is a former four star uh, out of uh, Detroit, who was one of only two freshmen who burned his red shirt last year. He played all 13 games. Uh, we had been hearing about him since day one uh, of spring ball after he enrolled early last year. He's in position to, to win a starting job. And I think he's someone that the team is really excited about. Uh, and then the other safety spot next to Jair Brown is really it's going to be one of the, I think, more intriguing position battles. Uh, Zaki Wheatley uh, is a redshirt freshman who moved from cornerback. Uh, he was the spring star this year. Keaton Ellis is a fourth-year player with a lot of experience. And Jalen Reed 
is a sophomore uh, who also had his redshirt burn last year and got on the field and kind of some some three safety sets last year um, that that were a little different and a little unique. So they do have to replace Shaquan Brisker and Tariq Castro Fields, both of whom were kind of secondary stalwarts back there. They're really familiar names that who you kind of knew what you were going to get out of them. And obviously, when you turn the page, you kind of go into the unknown a little bit. But I think that Penn State is excited about the talent that they have there and what those guys are able to do. No doubt about it. Um, so special teams wise, one, one guy that I think kind of went under the radar nationally, but certainly the NFL noticed him is Jordan Stout. The, the San Diego State punter, uh, Matariza, got all the love. But a lot of the advanced metrics, including you know, Bill Connolly, ha- had him as the number one uh, punt success rate guy in the country and also the number three kickoff guy in the country and the Ravens uh, saw fit to take him with a fourth round pick. So that's pretty high praise for a punter slash kickoff specialist. Uh, do they, do they have anybody who can even come close to this? Cause it, he was like major weapon, especially, and I don't mean this as a slight, but as often as Penn state had to punt the ball, uh, I mean, he punted 62 times in 12 games. That's, that's a lot of punts. And he was really, really damn good at flipping the field. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that uh, Penn State Rutgers game. That was basically Jordan Stout versus Adam Corsack for yeah. a, qu- a quarter and a half, which was uh, a really impressive showing. But Jordan Stout was was a big weapon for Penn State last year. The combination of his ability to pin teams back with that Penn State defense uh, that was able to kind of bend, not break, took advantage of some advantageous situations. I mean, that, that was huge for the team. Um, but Jordan Stout did a lot last year. He was the kickoff specialist. He was the punter. Uh, he handled extra points. He also won the field goal job. Um, so there's going to be a lot of new faces there. I think you look at punter. Um, there's two guys on campus this spring, Barney Amore and Gabe Nuosu. Uh, but Alex Paqueta uh, is coming in from Georgia. Um, he was the he went to the same high school as Blake Gillikin, uh, former Penn State punter. And I think that there's some expectations that he can come in as a freshman and and be the punter. Um, there's a lot of high praise for him coming in. And then at kicker, there's a really interesting battle between Sanders Sahadak and Jake Pinneger. Uh, Pinneger is a fifth-year senior who earlier in his career, the setup was Pinneger did extra points and shorter field goals. Jordan Stout handled the longer field goals. Last offseason, Jordan Stout won the entire field goal uh, kicking job near the end of last year uh, against Michigan State. And in the bowl game, Pinnegar started handling shorter field goals and extra points again. Um, It was kind of a there are some interesting mechanics happening there uh, on special teams. And so Pinnegar and Sahadak, who's a a local redshirt freshman with uh, a really big leg, uh, the ball just really pops off his foot. Um, It's going to be it's going to be a really important conversation competition for Penn State Uh, obviously we saw last year kind of the the impact that special teams can have James Franklin knows that he invests a lot uh, in terms of scholarships uh, into these specialists and I think that they're going to want to see results from them uh, in in these competitions uh, moving forward no doubt about it Uh, Daniel I'll get you out of this or get you out of here on this Uh, I I look at this schedule and I I look at this roster I can't help but feel that next year 23 is probably the the year that Penn State fans would or maybe should have circled as far as you making a run, given what Ohio State loses and the fact that there's a lot of guys with SO period next to their name, right? It's a pretty sophomore-laden team. Uh, But I look at this schedule, and who are the quarterbacks on this schedule who scare you? Like Maybe Aiden O'Connell played well last year. 
Michigan should have good quarterback play. Obviously, C.J. Stroud is pretty scary. But other than that, I mean, I, like, I don't know. Like Maryland in Happy Valley, not incredibly scary. Michigan State has to come there. Auburn, not really sure they have a quarterback situation that scares you. Minnesota hadn't thrown the ball with Tanner Morgan effectively in like two years, basically. I, am I crazy to think this is actually fairly manageable if they can just continue to play really good defense against these mediocre quarterbacks? Yeah, definitely. I think you look at the schedule and you look at kind of the, the names of the teams. You see Auburn on there. Um, you, you see Purdue. You see Minnesota. Uh, some teams that have had some recent success. But when you actually kind of look at the roster, look at some of these quarterbacks actually are, look at the playing style um, of, of some of these teams. I think Penn State's in, in good shape. Um, I mean, I think that it's kind of the, the cop-out answer, but I, I think they're going to be fine uh, when you look at if this defense can kind of play, you know, maybe not at the same level as last year because they were really, really good. But if they can come close to that, um, then they'll give the offense uh, they'll give the offense a chance. It's the second year uh, for Sean Clifford with Mike Yersich. Hopefully that continuity, you know, maybe gets you a couple more plays a game. Uh, and then I think Penn State should be in, in decent shape uh, when, when things shape, shape out and you look at what they're actually going against. No doubt about it. Lions 247, Daniel Gallon. Appreciate your time here on the Cover 3 Podcast Summer School Series. Thanks for having me, bud. All right, that's the bell. Cover 3 College Football Summer School is over for today. But don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast. And we'll see you all soon.